tonight we began a new series about overcomer. Overcomer. How many of you believe God makes us overcomers? He makes us so. You know what the Bible said? Paul said, you are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Thank you, Brother Rory, for doing that. I didn't know where those were. Thank you so very much. Just take one of these little handouts you can have and you can take them home with you and remember maybe a little something I said. There has never been a time like our time. And we are, we are in a, a world of, I, I preached this years ago. Matter of fact, I taught it, I think, back in my Sunday school class when I was teaching young marriage. And then I preached it out here one time about suffering from, from compare. Comparisonitis. Anybody ever suffered from that? Where you you are always comparing yourself with somebody else. Tonight I'm going to talk about overcoming the curse of comparing. I want to talk about it. You know, uh, I, I remember so, so so well times of Christmas, and we still go to my mother's at Christmas, and all the family gathers there, but. It's always funny because they'll, mom and dad would always give us all cards and, and uh, everybody would open their own card. And I can remember saying, Mom, thank you for $500. And everybody just look at you like, I didn't get near that much. What's going on? You know, it's uh, what gift did you get? And uh, who gave you this or who gave you that? And, that, and, and, and you know, we always, it was a big joke. And, uh, you know, somebody would say, well, thank you for $100. And it may have been 10 or 50 or 75 or whatever. But uh, we, we always, we're always in the, in the world of comparisons, acting like we have to have as more, as much or more than the next guy. The fastest way, listen to me now, the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. I, uh, I got a friend, and he's still a friend of mine. He's a preacher, and uh, he's a good friend of mine. And we, we've been friends for many, many years. But I used to call him, and, uh, or he'd call me, and, and I'd say, Man, we had X number of people praying in the altar. We had X number of people baptized. We had X number... It doesn't matter what you told him. He made you feel like Ned in the first reader. Because his story was always bigger than mine. I just got to where I wouldn't say anything because it was just like I can't win. You know, I just can't win. And the fastest way to kill something good and special is to compare it to something else. And remember this, and it's on your sheets of paper. Remember this. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. It is a, we're living in a world where now it's, it's very easy to compare. Uh, social media has made this a different world. Do you know that? You can think you're doing ever so good till you get on social media. You can be doing a hard day's work. The next guy you see, he's laying up at the beach or he's in the mountains or he's out in the fishing boat or he's, you know, you, you're, you're, you're always comparing. Social media, it, 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 it brings in a little, uh, it'll almost make you feel uh, insecure because we judge ourselves and we look at ourselves by what's going on in our life 
compared to what's going on in other people's lives. And, and then suddenly you see all your group having a party and you say, hmm, I didn't get invited to that. Come on now. You know I'm telling the truth. And, 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 and you see somebody else on another vacation and you, you barely had money to go see your mom over the weekend. And you're saying, well, how, how are they doing? You know, marriage, they, they get on. I, I see people on Facebook and, you know, this is what's really, really something. I, I see people on Facebook and they're hyping up and talking about how good marriage is. And, and what, you know, and, and there's other people that's looking at that and saying, wow, how do they do that? Well, the bottom line is a guy by the name of Stephen Furyk said it. A few, Furdy. Said it right. F-U-R-T-I-C-K. Furtick said it right. And I read his statement, and here's what he said. Often we are comparing our behind the scenes with the highlight reel of their life. You're not seeing the real world. Isn't that the way the devil paints everything in our lives? He wants it to make us look like we're not doing well at all. He wants us to get spiritually spiritually indulged in other people's business when we feel like we're down and they're up and we can't make it and we can't do it. And we're, we're seeing their highlight reel when, when, when we know the behind the scenes of our own life. I'm talking about comparing ourselves. Here's what Paul said. Here's what Paul said. He said, don't compare ourselves with ourselves. And I'm going to read it to you in two translations in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. He said, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Now, here's what the New Living Translation said. Just, just a little short part of that. He said, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. And this is what he said. How ignorant. One translation said, it is stupidity. I'm telling you, go read it. It said, that's translations of the scriptures. One says it's, it's stupid to compare yourself with everybody else and compare yourselves by yourselves or by those around you. So, so comparing will make, make you do one of two things. It will either make you feel superior or it will make you feel inferior and neither of those things honor God. So here's where we are in 2019. We don't need to be looking at the other guy and saying, well, look at him. Look at her. Look, look how good they, look, look what God done for them and he hadn't done that for me. Well, God healed her, but he hadn't healed my sister. God healed him, but he hadn't healed me. God, look at what they're driving. Look what I, why, why? You know, we go to comparing ourselves. I'm going to tell you, you begin to feel either superior, or if you're on the right side of that, or, or should I say the good side of that, and inferior if you're on the bottom side of that. But Paul said, don't compare yourselves by yourselves, and don't be judging yourselves by your little circle, because that's stupidity. 
That's ignorant. And God don't smile on that. You can, you can feel superior to your neighbor or you can feel inferior to your neighbor. But the bottom line, neither one of those honors God because in the eyes of God, every one of us are equal. Everybody said amen. Andy Stanley, well-known speaker and preacher, said this. He preached on the land of, of Ur, E-R. And, 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 and in the land of Ur, no win in comparison. You know what the land of Ur is? Better, greater, prettier, finer, richer, cooler, stronger, funnier. Whenever there's, when, whenever they, there's an ER on the end of it, we're all looking for greater, better. The problem is, is now we went from the land of ER to the land of EST. Greatest, happiest, healthiest. Y'all get quiet on me. Bible said be content with such things as you have. The Bible tells us that. So here's what we have to do as Christians. We have to learn to walk in the, in the light that God gives us, in the experience that God gives us, in the life that God gives us. I don't understand it all. You, but I know this. I can't compare my life with your life. I can't compare what I have with what you have. I can't compare my worship to your worship. I can't compare my prayer to your prayer. You say, well, you know, I, I pray a lot. Well, God bless you. But I doubt any of us pray enough. Amen? You see, we, here's, here's our deal. If I'm doing it good as Brother Charlie, well, I'm going to be okay. Brother Charlie is not who I need to be comparing with. If I do it good as James Matt, no, that's not the comparison. What we need to do is say, God, what do you have for me? What do you have for my life? My purpose is what I want to do. I want to be what God wants me to be and not what everybody else wants me to be. Is everybody with me on this Wednesday night? I mean, you start comparing, you can compare your cars and your houses and your money and your, your bank account and your kids. You know, I see people say, well, you know, I don't understand how their kids are doing so well and mine is not doing that well. And you know what? This whole thing is a story that you make and you, you live and you, and I can't answer all the questions. Somebody said, why? They call me every once in a while, preacher. I, and I know people that get mad at God over crazy stuff. I told somebody the other night, you don't need to get mad at God. God is your only hope. God is your only defense. God is the thing that's going to keep you going. And when I'm in trouble and I, things aren't going the way I think they ought to go, I'm going to just trust Him. I'm going to say, God, I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to compare myself with somebody else. Come on now. Everybody with me tonight? Hallelujah. You know, why don't I live in a house like they live in? Why don't I drive a car like they drive? Why don't I have this or that, you know? You, you, you get to listen to people and you can get inferior real quick. Hallelujah. Don't matter how much you have or how good you are, somebody's got better. And I read somewhere in the Scripture where the Bible said that it rains upon the just and the unjust. 
Amen? Everybody's got trouble. Now look, some folks cover it up better than others. Some folks have learned to live life with a smile regardless of what the situation is. I never will forget, Sister Renee, I'm going to use your mother today, but you and Beverly, as a matter of fact, were both there the day I walked into the hospital and they had told her she had cancer. She was sitting on the side of the bed and, and they were crying and she was smiling. Is that the truth? And she said, now, Brother Danny, I want to tell you, you'd have to know Bessie Lewis. She said, I'm good. She'd been a nurse for 30 years, 39 years, long time. She understood. She said, it's okay between me and God. If he decides to take me, I just want you to know I'm ready to go. And here's Beverly and Renee said, oh, Mama, don't say that. Renee was, and Beverly was just tears. That, you know, they were crying. And I, I thought, wow, what faith. But she knew how to take life in stride. She, I'll tell you what else she said. She said, just move me a 55-gallon drum of morphine at the end of my bed and give me the button. I just don't want to hurt. She died in faith. She died knowing where she was going. She wasn't comparing herself with anybody else. She took life in stride. Some folks can do that. Others can't do that. But here's what I'm telling you. You can't have the terrible disease of comparisonitis because it will tear you up. It will destroy your faith. It will destroy your life. It, you, know, you know why the Bible, what the Bible said? I told somebody this not long ago. You know what the Bible said about jealousy? You know what jealousy? You know what jealousy is? You know what the scriptures say? Jealousy is cruel as the grave. Jealousy will kill you. It'll drive you nuts if you're not already there. Jealousy. Just comparing yourself. Well, I just don't understand how their kid get that. How come their kid got the part in the play? How come she got the special to sing? Oh, you don't think that kind of stuff happens. But it happens. So, let me tell you a little story. And, I, and I, when I got to looking at this, I thought, boy, this is true. This is true. You ever heard of Peter and John in the Bible? You know, you know Peter was an old gruff fisherman. Let, let, let me open your eyes to a couple of things here tonight. John was a little bit annoying. If you don't read it, if you don't believe it, go read his his is writing. He always spoke of himself in the third person. People that speaks of themselves in the third person annoy me, and they annoy you. He, he, I mean, just look at it. Go, go read it. I, 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 I never realized this till it was brought to my attention. But John wrote about himself in the third person, and then he said he called himself the one that Jesus loved. John did. You go read it. You, you go read John chapter 20. And, and, and I'll tell you something else in the Old Testament. Now, now, the Bible talks about Moses being a meek man. But Moses himself said he was the most humble guy that ever lived. Well, you, you, you can't be too humble and claim humility. You're like the woman that stood up to testify and said, I just want to thank God. I'm just so proud that I'm so humble. 
You ever seen anybody like that? I'm just so proud that I'm so humble. So, so John was this way. John, when Jesus died on a Sunday morning, the tomb was it. Mary visited the tomb. The tomb was empty. She goes and tells Peter and John, I want you to read. Just put up John chapter 20. It's a, I'm going to read a little bit in the Living Translation, I believe it is. But here's, here's, what, here's what the Bible said in verse 2. So Mary, I want you to watch this. Mary came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Now that was John. And John's writing this. He said, the one that Jesus loved. John wrote that. He said, she came to Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. Shut up. Now, you, you, you've never seen that before, because I hadn't. I know you hadn't either. And said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple, he's talking about himself. The other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. John's right that. And he said, I just want y'all to know I outran Peter to the tomb. Bragging outfit. I mean, we're dealing with real people here. We're dealing with real human beings. I mean, they got in the fuss one time who was, who was going to sit at Jesus' right hand. Uh, you ever read it? As a matter of fact, the Bahamas came to Jesus. Won't know who's going to sit with him. Who's going to be on his right hand when he sat on the throne. And so, so it goes on. Listen to this. That's the second thing in that scripture. Both were running, and the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And John's writing all this. And then he said in verse 6, Then Simon Peter came along behind him. John's writing. He tells you again, Simon was behind me. And went straight into the tomb. Finally, the other disciple, he's talking about himself, who had reached the tomb first. You braggadocious outfit. Also went inside. So, <laughs> it's comparing ourselves. John 21, you remember after the resurrection, uh, Jesus and Peter had a little confrontation. Remember, it's Peter who, who denied Jesus three times that night around the campfire in, the, in Gethsemane, around Gethsemane, and through the night. He denied him three times. And he said, you know, people would say, well, you, here's one of them. He said, I don't even know him. I, I don't know who you're talking about. That was Peter. Remember that. So, But Peter repented of all that. And now the Lord is having an encounter with Peter in John chapter 21. And he's saying, do you love me? And Peter said, well, you know I love you. And then again he said, do you love me? And the third time he uses that agape love. He, it, it, the third time he asked him is a different. And Peter is assuring the Lord that he loved him. Peter turned around then and he saw behind them. John wrote this in verse 20. <laughs> Here it is again. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. Now, would you get a little complex if you were somebody who's always claiming, I'm the one that Jesus loved? 
I'm the one that was to the tomb first. Do you know people like that? Do you ever do you ever run into anybody that that knows a little bit about everything? They told me about a guy that was working on a construction job, and I believe it was Gary Masters that looked at him one day and said, Son, I believe you're going to have to be 110 years old right now to do all you've done and all you know. So, so here it is again. In verse 21, here's what happened, though. I want you to see this. Peter asked Jesus, What about him? What about John? What about him, Lord? And Jesus, in verse 22, replied, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Somebody say that with me. What is that to you? What is that to you? And as far as you, Jesus said, you just follow me. You stay with me. You you do what you're supposed to do. You know, you can't get out of your lane. You got to do what God calls you to do. Rachel, you sang great. Malcolm sang great. My wife sang great. Toby, you played great. Drummer, you did wonderful tonight. All of you did great. But now listen to me. If it was up to me, we wouldn't have had much music tonight. Because I can't play a lick. I can turn on the radio and get static. I can't do what they can do. But they can't preach like I can preach. Because I got a lane and they got a lane. And my point is, quit worrying. What is that to you? If God calls someone, there's people in this church that are called to help people. That are called to pray for people. That are called to be witnesses to people. They're never going to be on this stage in the limelight if there is such a thing. Brother Weeks used to say, there's way more lime than there is light. Amen. But, but that's not their calling. If you call some people up here and hand them this microphone, they'd freeze up tonight. They'd say, no, no, thank you. I've asked people, you want to say, oh, no, I don't want to say anything. They don't want to say anything. Why? Because that's not their lane. God called you to do something. And God put a purpose in your life. You don't need to be comparing with sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so. You say, well, Lord, what about them? You know what the Lord is saying? What is that to you? Oh, you want me to really preach? Well, I just don't know if they're going to be saved or not. They've been this, they've been that. That is none of your business. You can't save them. And guess what? I can't save them. And I can't send them to hell, and you can't either. I often say it this way. I'm not God, and you're glad, and you're not God, and I'm glad. Isn't that right? We have no business doing that. But when we do what we ought to do, and we are living our life with purpose, and we get in our lane, and we stay into what God wants us to be. Look, we got great, we got great people in this church that are, that are so talented. We know who to call when we want somebody to cook, when we want somebody to, to, to clean, when we want somebody to usher, when we want somebody to sing, when we want somebody to teach, whatever you want. We got them in this church. But everybody can't do the same thing. Therefore, you cannot afford, John, you can't make fun of the guy behind you. John, you can't make light because he's not as fast as you are. John, Quit compl- Look, quit comparing yourself with everybody else. Be an overcomer. 
Amen? You can't faithfully follow Jesus if you're always comparing yourself to somebody else. We can't compare our church to another church. We can't compare our lives to other lives. Insecurity in, in us that, that, that no it's, it's a no win in eternity. And insecurity will cause you to be so unhappy. You can't, you can't do right. There's not enough ERs or ESTs. You can't get better. You can't get greater. You can't get great est. You, you, you got to quit all that. You just got to say, God, because let me tell you, in the things that you seek, and let me, I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying today, in the things that you seek to make you happy, they, the outside things will never cause you to feel secure, especially in your spiritual man. You can't get enough money to make you happy. You can't get enough popularity to make you happy. You can't get enough fame to make you happy. You can't serve enough offices to make you happy. You know what will make you happy? A personal encounter with God and a relationship with God every day. When you drop on your knees every morning, and I told someone this just the other day, how are you starting your day? Do you start your day with prayer? Because let me tell you something. If you will go to God every day, you know what the Bible said? What the Bible said? The Bible said for you to lean not to your own understanding. It said if in all of your ways you acknowledge God. Every day you get up, Lord, this is a day that you've made. I'm going to be glad in it. I'm going to walk with you today. I want you to give me strength to do the right thing. I want you to give. Sister Deborah, I love you. Let me, let me tell you something. Since Morton Bustard preached here and Morton Bustard stood up here and told us the kind of prayer he prayed every morning. Deborah prays that, those kind of prayers. This is Deborah. Deborah came to me Sunday and said, all I need out of you, Pastor, is a hug. And I gave her a big one. This is Deborah. But let me tell you what Deborah does without fail. Every morning. I don't know if anybody else gets them or not. You just send them to me. You send them around. You get them too. She prays a powerful prayer. I don't, all I do is just go in there and say, amen. I can't add to that. But she prays for her pastor. She prays for her church. She prays for her friends. You know what you're called to be, Deborah? A prayer warrior. A prayer warrior. You've got to keep praying. You've got to do it every day. She gets up every morning. Now, I'm not saying you've got to post, post your prayers on Facebook. Now, I, don't know, I don't think she posts them uh, publicly but she sends me a message on facebook every morning and and i read her prayers and her prayers are powerful oh lord forgive us of our sins let us walk in this day and you give us strength and you give us help and we're going to serve you and you're, you're going to be a light in our path and we're going to walk with you just things like that that deborah she prays that every day let me tell you something god honors that kind of stuff i said god honors that kind of stuff I've never seen Deborah sing a special. I don't even know if you can sing. I've never seen her do anything on this platform. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. When, when Greg had his service, you, you helped up here. And that's good. But the facts are, God has a lane for you and a purpose in your life. He wants you. You can't get enough money to make you happy. You can't do enough things out in the world to make you happy. You can't get enough tension to make you happy. There's not a, enough success to make you happy. Let me tell you, the richest people in the world, 
The richest people in the world sometimes are the most miserable people in the world because they have not found the answer to true happiness. So quit comparing yourself. Don't look to the outside. Look to the inside. Don't worry about who you make proud or who you disappoint unless it's God. You're not, you, you know, people sometimes think they're living for God for me. You're not living for God for me. Amen. You know what? This is America. I can't make you live for God. I can't make you come to church. I can't make you pray. I'm not even going to try. I've told you many times, and when I was a younger younger preacher, and, and, you know, I thought God called me to be a deputy sheriff, I turned my badge in many years ago. I ain't policing you. I'm going to preach, and you can serve God if you want to. But you've got to have the want to. But when you get it, and you, you're not worried about serving others, and serving people, and worrying about what everybody else is going to say, Quit worrying about what everybody else is going to say. Worry about what Jesus thinks about it. Listen to this. Here's a question you must answer, and I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying. Here it is. You ready? Everybody in this room needs to answer this question tonight. Who or what is going to define my worth? Who or what? If you are a Jesus follower and your answer is anything but Jesus... You'll always be running a race you will never win. Always. Who or what is going to define my worth? Here's what Paul said. Therefore, since we are surrounded, Hebrews chapter 12, by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that does so entangle. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Find, fixing, excuse me, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The original, or the King James says, the author and the finisher of our faith. We got a lot of, a lot of folks that's went before us. And I want to tell you, they didn't make heaven by trying to please men. Paul said one time in the book of Galatians, Do I seek to please men or Christ? For if I seek to please men, I'm not the servant of Christ. You can't seek to please men. You've got to please God. So when everyone else succeeds, when everybody else gets a blessing, when everybody else gets something you didn't get, celebrate because they're running their own race. Celebrate. You run your own race. You ever seen a runner? He can't look at the side. He can't look back at who's running with him. He runs with his eye on the prize. He runs with his goal in his eyes. He's looking for it. You know what I'm trying to do today? I'm trying to make heaven. Anybody here want to go to heaven? I don't want to be lost. I want to go to heaven. I can't afford to get sidetracked worrying about you. Amen? You can't afford to get sidetracked worrying about other people. You've got to get your eye on the prize. And you've got to run. And here's what, here's what he said. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, he said in verse 24, So run to win. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. All athletes are, dis, are, are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it. We do it 
for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. Every step. Every spiritual move. Every day. My life has got purpose. I'm doing it because I want to be saved. I'm doing it because I want to save everybody else. I'm doing it because I want to do the will of God. I'm doing it because He put a purpose in my life. And every step I make, it's not in vain. It's with purpose. It's with purpose. And when you run the race with purpose, with your eyes on eternal goals, you're going to get there. But if you're running this way saying, oh, y'all, where's the accolades? Where's the clapping? Where's the stands? Where's everybody giving me all the promotion? You're not going to make it because you're looking for the wrong thing. You've got to run your life, your life with purpose. Don't compare. Just do what God called you to do. I want to be what God called me to be. I want to run my life with purpose. I want to run my race with my eyes fixed on Him. I love the scripture that says, I have set my affection on things above. Is there anybody who feels that way tonight? This world is not my home. I'm just passing through here. I've set my affection on things above. I'm looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. There's been a lot of folks that I've witnessed that walked the wall, but the, those that made it kept their eyes on Him. Kept your eyes on Him. That's why the Bible said, and I close with this scripture, and I, it's not even in my notes, but I'm closing quickly tonight. The Bible said, you walk by faith and not by sight. It'd almost be good if God would just, when he saved us, just give us some blinders. <laughs> so we couldn't see what other people are doing. Just but to live your life with blinders on. Because distractions are things you see. Preacher, I don't know about all those people. What is that to you? Just follow me. I don't know about what they're doing. What is that to you? I know it's quiet. But our problem is, is we get distracted by other things. What is that to you, Pastor? Well, here's what it is to me. I'm going to preach the truth. I'm going to stand on the truth. I'm going to stand on the Word of God. If this Bible teaches it, I'm going to teach it. If this Bible don't teach it, I'm going to let you and God take care of it. But if it says it in here, we better be walking by it. But when I get through preaching it, guess what? Do you really think, come on, look at me now. Do you really think everything I preach in this pulpit, everybody does? You will see me go through this congregation. Hugging on people that I know don't do what I preach. But what is that to be? I'm going to keep my eye on the prize. I'm going to keep doing what God told me to do. I'm going to keep preaching what God gave me to preach. Come on now. I'm not going to get mad at folks when they don't do everything I want them to do. I'm going to say, Lord, I preached it. When I stand in the judgment bar of God, I'm just going to say, I preached it, Lord. I did, I'd give it my best shot. I'd done what I was supposed to do. If they didn't make it, it ain't my fault. They had every opportunity. Y'all are quiet. Let's stand.
ushers, don't let nobody get away tonight. We may not get no offering after that. Don't die from the terrible disease of comparisonitis. I've seen folks spiritually die comparing themselves, be an overcomer. The devil wants you, watch me now, he wants you to compare yourself with everybody and everything so that he can get you disoriented. And you can't say, well, I may not be the perfect, but I'm better than old Daryl Page. So, Daryl Page is not God. I may not be doing everything, but I'm doing better than Ronnie Cup. So, Ronnie Cup is not who you need to be re- comparing yourself with. Here's, wh- here's the only comparison we need to make. You ready? I hold it right here in my hand. This is where you need to go. This is what you need to do. And you don't need to worry about what others are doing. You just do this. And everything's going to be all right. Does anybody believe that? You just do this and everything's going to be all right. God's going to take care of the rest of it. Hallelujah. Thank you for letting me preach to you for about 40 minutes here tonight. The ushers are coming right now to receive your offering. We do this at the end of service simply because we have people that have to work, people that come in late, and people that don't have to work that come in late. (laughs) 